1: The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. Welcome to The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast, your one-stop shop for wedding planning tips, advice, inspiration, and a lot more besides. If you've heard the show before, you'll know that we're always looking out for engaged couples, helping you guys manage your time, your budget, and even your emotions in the run-up to the big day. But this week, we're taking a slightly different approach. We sure are. In
2: this episode, we're showing you how you can make your wedding an all-round more positive experience for your guests by saving them a few quid. It's funny because every time we write something on the topic of making your wedding less expensive for your guests, we kind of second guess ourselves. Like, do couples actually care? And surely they're too worried about their own bank balance to think about someone else's.
1: But our readers time and time again have proved us wrong in this. The are a time, sound bunch. They're a very sound, very conscientious bunch. Last time we did an Insta poll on this, it was 82% of um, our readers said that they thought about how to make their wedding less expensive for their guests which
2: is really generous because no matter how much you're spending on your wedding like whether it's 5,000, 10,000 Fifty thousand—it's a lot of money to you. So the idea of worrying about the extra twenty quid your guest's going to have
1: to spend on a taxi is kind of small in in the grand scheme of in things. In the scheme of things, but it is really sweet, really, when you think about it, because it just harkens back to that idea that for most couples, a huge priority is: will my guests be able to a attend my wedding and b will they have a good time? Will they be relaxed or will they be at the bar stressing out because? <laughs> cocktails are 15 euro and they didn't realise they were going to be blowing the budget on this wedding
2: yeah a huge part of planning a wedding and hosting a wedding is that like being a good host and I think considering your guests from the absolute
1: outset does make you a great host so we're going to have lots of great tips in this episode for how to do just that one fab day expert wedding tips In this part of the show, we offer up a little nugget of advice that will hopefully make wedding planning a little easier for you and for your other half. So Claire has chosen some words of wisdom for us this week. What have you got? My tip this week is to let people know about your day two plans as early
2: as possible. So obviously, day two, the whole idea of it is that it's this really low key usually very Party, casual thing. yeah doesn't take a lot of planning shouldn't be a lot of logistics or even thought on your part. And obviously the main event is your wedding but if you're doing a day two thing and it's particularly if you're getting married out of town i think it's a nice idea to let people know ideally when you send out either the save the date or the invitation just so that they have an idea of what's expected is the wedding a one day thing which is totally fine and a day two is not expected at all but if you are having a day two and you would like people there, it's nice to let them know as early as possible so that they can factor their plans in around it. At things like the hotel, babysitters, flights, if that's something that they're taking. And it just means that, yeah, they'll have a better idea of the whole event as opposed to just the wedding day.
1: Yeah, as a serial wedding guest, I really really like to have all this information down because it just affects like you said everything like your accommodation, whether you decide to like take a few extra days off work or yeah. you know, really your as a guest, your experience of
2: the day. Yeah, definitely. Like Monday morning after a Saturday wedding is totally fine. But Monday morning
1: after a Saturday wedding and then a Sunday all day session that went on till two in the morning is very different. I know. You don't want to be in the car home, like racing to work, going like, oh, if I had just known I could have organised a half day and I would be, you know, lounging somewhere having a leisurely breakfast right now. So I do think when you're communicating day one, that's the time to communicate day two as well.
2: Yeah, you can still keep it to a smaller group if you want and you can still just have your friends there. You don't necessarily need to send it out with the blanket invitation, but do kind of let people know your plans. A lot of people, because the second day is casual, they treat it as a kind of a word of mouth thing and that's not fair because it means that some of your guests won't know if they're actually invited. So it's good to just be really clear and invite who you want as early as possible. I hope loads of couples do this.
1: The One Fab Date
2: Wedding Podcast. We've all felt the financial pinch of being a wedding guest, particularly if you've several weddings lined up in a single year. Surveys have told us that the average cost of attending a wedding is about €800 in Ireland or
1: £1,000 in the UK. So we're talking about a significant hunk of cash. That is no small fee. Uh, As we discussed at the top of the show, this is something that you guys are already quite concerned about. Over and over again, couples tell us that celebrating with their closest friends and family members is their number one priority for the big day. And if that is the case, you'll need to consider the cost for your guests as well as your own budget.
2: Yeah, and it's actually easier to do than you think. So we're not asking you to cover all of your guests' accommodation because that would be mad.
1: No, we're not going to give you tips that will cost you, you know, a whole other 10 grand in your wedding budget. That would not be like us. (laughs) No, but there are like subtle things you can do or things that you can do as the host that will be like a small
2: investment for you, but will make a big difference for a chunk of your guests.
1: Yeah, that will save your guests money kind of as a whole tribe of people.
2: Yeah, I guess should we dive in?
1: Let's dive in. Now, obviously we don't want anyone to think that we're insinuating that like from day one you should be thinking about your guests' like wallets when you're planning your wedding. But there are a lot of early days stuff that makes a big difference like venue and date. Yeah, absolutely. Are are two big ones that can really affect how much your guests actually have to spend.
2: Yeah, so say while getting married on a Wednesday might cut you a lot of money. Actually, that might be a lot more expensive for your guests, particularly if they need to take maybe two days off work. So it's just about thinking about those things from the very outset. Obviously, you should absolutely suit yourself and do things as you need to do them. But it's just about always having that in the back of your mind, thinking about what you're doing and how much it might financially inconvenience people.
1: Yeah, and just for a moment to put yourself in their shoes Hmm. you know before you go back to like what to be my partner want Yeah. so the most convenient date for your wedding like really depends on the guest list how many people you have who are travelling from abroad Yeah. how many people you have in your guest list who maybe work in like the service industry or are freelancers or have the kind of jobs where weekends aren't naturally available to them it's also important to think of people like
2: teachers because their hours are really inflexible as in they've tons of holidays but they mightn't be able to take off a a day during
1: the week. They can take a random Tuesday in February to go to your wedding. Like that's just not gonna happen.
2: Yeah. So it's just for key guests in particular, it's important to to think about that and the the days off they might be able to take.
1: We can't really give like blanket advice for this one on like what's a good day for everyone because it really, as I said, depends on your guest list. Like Christmas in some cases can be really good because if you have a load of guests who live abroad, let's say, but come home around Christmas time every year, you know, that's really convenient for them and you're doing them a big favour. But for For nearly everyone else, Christmas is a really expensive time to be traveling and to be uh, trying to sort things like accommodation. Yeah, exactly. So it's just about kind of looking at your guest list and weighing up what will suit the majority of your guests and then kind of going from there. Bank holiday is another one that could go either way, depending on who's on your guest list, where they're coming from. And, yeah, what their work situation is. So our next tip is about the venue. Now, we're obviously not saying, you know, pick a venue according to how cheap the local B&B is. No, but it should definitely be on your list. So maybe if you have 10 things you want from your dream venue, one of them will be affordable accommodation nearby. Definitely. That's really the main thing with the venue is that there is accommodation that's realistically accessible that's affordable nearby and that everyone isn't being carted off to a really remote place where they feel obliged to spend money on staying on site if it's a really expensive luxury venue. Or it's like a pricey taxi as well on the way back.
2: And I think one thing to note here, and it applies kind of to every tip we're going to give, is your idea of expensive and someone else's idea of expensive might be very different. So you have to put yourself in the shoes of someone who maybe isn't working or is a student or is on a low salary Or someone who just has 10 weddings that year and your one is just another one on top of all of that. And so even if the accommodation is relatively inexpensive to you, it's still a lot to them when it's their fifth wedding of the season.
1: Yeah, and some of your guests are probably saving for their own weddings, saving for a house, saving for lots of things. And it's really, really hard. I speak from experience. It's really hard to save when you have like a summer with two weddings every month. You yeah. know, you're just not going to be able to log any cash.
2: Yeah, and it's hard because obviously your wedding is such a big deal to you. And it probably is to your friend as well. But it's very hard for them to see that when all they see is the idea that, oh, it's going to be 500 quid to go to this now. Yeah. And it can add stress and you obviously don't want that from your guests.
1: Yeah. I think one good tip in general on this topic is if you go through your guest list and you can pick out someone maybe in your head who you think might be financially struggling a little bit. So like it might be like a cousin who's like 19 and in college and is like really broke or it could be a friend of yours who's not working or whatever. And you kind of use them as the mascot in your head to be like, okay, what would they think about a 500 euro a night hotel? Like, how would they perceive that? That's just a handy way for you to kind of take your wedding hat off for a minute because obviously you're spending so much money that your perception even over the course of wedding planning of what is expensive and what isn't might shift a little bit so to kind of bring it down to like okay who's the person on my guest list who I'm a little bit worried about here and what would they think about this and obviously all guests are going to understand that like there are costs involved they're going to have to pay for a few pints they're going to have to sort out a gift they're going to have to have some accommodation if it's not a wedding in their hometown like it's completely fine to expect some money to be spent yeah. but it's how much and how swanky they're expected to be where the issues kind of lie
2: It's providing them with choice I think the most stressful thing as a wedding guest is when you feel like you don't have a choice on where to stay and all of a sudden you get this bill and that can be really overwhelming so it's about giving everyone options so that if someone who wants to stay in the swanky hotel can and someone who wants to pile into an Airbnb with 20 pals can do that
1: too Yeah and it's great when that happens and you know that like Th- those guests will have largely the same experience of the wedding. I want to be in the Airbnb. The e- that like I can't stress to you how little time I spend in the hotel yeah. that I book when I'm going to a wedding. Like we're talking like four hours. Yeah. So, a good mirror really is all you need. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, and a, a, bed, nice, obviously. <laughs> a nice like shower setup if mm-hmm. you're staying the night before. Like somewhere that's just like clean and bright for you Mm. to get ready is like really all i personally care about yeah and then you know a bed for the couple hours of sleep at the end of the night yeah the 6 a.m to 6 a.m to hotel breakfast i mean we kind of need love hotels for weddings sorry i'm just i'm just back (laughs) from japan love hotels are a thing you can go into a hotel for like two four six hours at a time i feel like that would save us all our encourage renting rooms by the hour well <laughs> listen Maybe we will progress uh, As a nation And take that on We can discuss it With Nadia next week In our honeymoon episode Oh we sure will So okay Another tip then That sort of relates to this Is organising a bus For your guests
2: Yes I do think this one's Massively appreciated We did this for our guests And it wasn't a long It
1: was about a 10 minute drive mm.
2: Um I will say, I feel like the bus was dangerously packed. (laughs) The bus did two runs. No one went on the first run. The bus was basically empty during the first run, a couple of Andes. And then on the second run, basically everyone piled in. Pretty sure the driver was bribed. That might be illegal
1: to say, but sure here we've said it now yes Um, this might be somewhere where it's handy to get a pal to like be in charge of like rounding up the troops if you are doing two runs of buses because this is something I've heard and experienced a lot where you put on two buses especially if it's the end of the night going back to let's say the town where all the hotels and B&B's are Nobody wants to go at half one. Everyone wants to go at half two. Exactly. So maybe kind of getting a pal, even though I know they're supposed to be off on the dance floor having a good time, but asking a, a pal to kind of corral the troops might be a good yeah, idea there. Even if a gang of them agree that they'll all go first and warm up the bar
2: back at the hotel and then the stragglers can come on I after. love that you're
1: already thinking about the next drink. (laughs) Obviously. Love it, Claire. Always that's how I live. (laughs) Uh, So this is a good one as well. If you're having a wedding, maybe in a city or somewhere where the ceremony and the reception are very far apart. Yes. Or if you're, let's say, like I know a lot of couples might have a couple of drinks after the ceremony around near where the ceremony space is and then people suddenly, you know, aren't able to drive. So think about kind of the different locations in your day and whether a bus is warranted in there.
2: Of all the things we did, I do think that was one of the things people were most grateful about I mean it probably saved people like a tenner but it was just the idea that they didn't have to think about it that there was no stress about a taxi they didn't have to have cash on them Yeah, and a lot it's of the just
1: t- out of their heads A lot of the time as well it's just taxi service in remote parts of the countryside are you know not what they are in the city so people aren't sure how to get taxis so it's a great thing to just take off everyone's mind as well yeah. as saving I would money. say as well if you are
2: doing that let people know as early as possible so that the stress is gone they're not already worrying about it and then find
1: out on the night that there was a bus there the whole time. Yeah, stick it on the old wedding website so people know in advance that yeah. it's, it's happening.
2: Destination weddings are one that we should definitely talk about because they can be hella pricey.
1: Yeah, now th- I think it, I'm fairly sure that a destination wedding is always going to be more expensive for a guest like yeah. there's no way to sugarcoat that. And a
2: lot of couples kind of think of it as oh well they'll tie it into a holiday which is very true and a couple shouldn't feel guilty about having a destination wedding people that can't afford it will make it people who can't mm. can't and I think it's about also setting a heavy disclaimer for your guests when you send the invitation that
1: if they can't make it
2: it's totally fine
1: yeah absolutely because as much as it is like I me and Claire have spoken about this multiple times we're dying to go to a destination wedding please invite us please invite us uh, it's not the same as the holiday that you would choose for yourself no. as a guest so that's that needs to be taken into account that maybe your guests, a lot of them are already planning. Uh, a holiday later in the year or now can't go on holiday because of your wedding or whatever yeah. so just to be respectful of that and to yeah. not if people have
2: kids and they're not bringing them to the wedding then maybe their kids go without
1: holiday that year exactly
2: so it is just important to keep that in mind
1: yeah but there are still things that you can do to I suppose help them out a bit so you can look for a venue that offers all inclusive packages which can actually be really really nice in a lot of like European destinations uh, where they do like a load of wine and food all in and that saves people a good bit of cash
2: yeah absolutely and I think finding either if the venue itself or accommodation that can host the majority of your guests, it'll save money for them, but it will also make a nicer atmosphere too. And it'll make it like a big, huge gang away together.
1: Yeah. And you're giving them, I suppose, more relaxation time as well, mm-hmm. which makes it feel more like the kind of holiday they would go on, as opposed to having a destination wedding where like, they're constantly trying to get from one place to another in a foreign country. Yeah. And that's not going to feel like... You know a holiday to them so if you're kind of even giving them more like stuff that makes them feel like their money is yeah I, I think spelling
2: things out and whether it's like having an airport collection trying to get everyone to take the same plane so that you can arrange a bus for them giving them a step-by-step of how to get to the accommodation just so that they're not spending money on taxis that are driving yeah. around the countryside looking for this random hotel just things like that that make it easier and therefore cheaper for them is always, always very considerate.
1: Yeah, and at the end of the destination wedding, they're going to be delighted if they feel like they've spent money and they've had a great time as opposed to if they've spent the same amount of money but they've been stressing looking at Google Maps in a strange city.
2: I think it's also worth at the outset when you're looking into destinations to talk to a travel agent or an online company that offer group rates. Yes. And to look at venues that will offer group rates. So that way you will be able to save them money from the outset and, and let them know what the cost will be because that can often be the daunting thing. If someone invites you to a wedding in Spain, you have no idea what it's going to cost.
1: Yeah, and a planner abroad as well will know things like what are the expensive times to be travelling mm. in certain countries that they might have holidays that we don't have here. So it's always good tapping them for info. We
2: often find, and it's in by no way a rule, but generally destination weddings have an open bar or at least an open bar for a sizable chunk of the day.
1: Yeah, and now that's maybe not something that's gonna appear on your invitation or your wedding website, but that that would be a nice relief for guests when they get there to be like oh you know that's maybe 100 quid that uh, is staying in my back pocket
2: yeah likewise if you can't afford that I mean in some places that will be relatively inexpensive if you're somewhere where alcohol is wine cheap. is
1: created like Italy or
2: France yes but if you can't do that maybe organising a welcome dinner or organising a group excursion or boat trip or something like that that just makes them feel hosted really um, and that saves them a bit of money on their own excursions or their own meals is also appreciated
1: yeah I think the overarching theme of this list is that you know we don't expect anyone to do everything that's on this list really if you come away from this episode with like two ideas like that's great you know obviously you don't have to give your pals a free holiday or (laughs) give them a free weekend in the country like that's not your job here no but if you can take a couple of things from this episode I think you'll be doing really well
2: Hen parties and stag do's, they can also add a sizable chunk to the price of attending a
1: wedding. Yeah, I think, like, obviously there are people who want a big blowout hen do slash stag do, and that's fine. I think the rule of thumb here is to just stress if there is an expensive hen party or stag do that attendance is optional. Yeah. And maybe put on a casual thing at home. Like, we're big advocates of multiple hen parties, yeah. as we've spoken about before. <laughs> Uh, it's always your get out of jail free card so if let's say you and your pals really want to all go to Spain for a week for your hem party and you know some people can't afford it you can kind of get around that by having maybe like just a casual drinks, henstag drinks uh, at home for people who can't make it. And to just really stress like, listen, love you there, but totally understand that like the wedding is expensive enough. So don't worry if you can't make it. Yeah.
2: And I really think this needs to apply to people who are very close to you, too, because sometimes you might throw out that disclaimer. But someone's like, oh, no, but like you're my best friend, so I have to go. Yeah, absolutely. And that can be really crippling if... You're part of a gang and there are several weddings a year and you're like, oh, I really can't afford this. So I do think even to the people closest to you, you have to be so genuinely no pressure about it because it can really, like get so expensive for people and be really a huge cause of stress for them
1: yeah your mind does go to the like person you don't know that well but is sort of in the friend group but actually you do need to think about your wedding party and your parents and people like that who maybe feel like there's nothing in the wedding planning process that they're allowed to miss out on because they have to be there every step of the way and maybe it's about having a chat with them especially if you've got a few events coming up a few pre-wedding bashes yes and just say listen it's totally optional or you know frame it in a way that makes lets them know that like the main thing is that you're there in the wedding day and that's all we really care about yeah these are just extras for fun because yeah when there's like six events in a row it can really add up i feel for parents who have like three children getting married in a yeah. summer and like <laughs> yeah. all of the like hens and stags like it must build up and, and like, gets so you overwhelming go for the
2: dress fitting and you're kind of feel obliged to bring all the girls out for cocktails or something like that and yeah
1: it, it does get, particularly yeah. for parents, I think it must get really pricey. Yeah, the bank balance must be hurting in years like that. Yes. So another area is the dress code. Now, mm. really where expense tends to lie in the dress code is if you have a very formal dress code, like black tie or white tie. Yes. And people are expected, especially men, male guests are expected to rent tuxedos. Mm. Also, I feel like when you have one of those themes that's like, Pink and purple or like... Great Gatsby. Yeah, I think anything that kind of puts a restriction on uh, what people are wearing does end up, whether you like it or not, making people buy more stuff for their outfit. Yeah,
2: because like if you were completely broke and had to go to a wedding, you can always drive or get a lift, not stay over. Like give a small gift and wear something you already have. Yeah. Like at the very... But if you have to buy a whole new outfit because of a theme, then it's going to get expensive.
1: Yeah. Now, I do enjoy a dress code theme. But if this is one of the ways that you're um, looking into maybe trying to make your wedding less expensive for your guests, this is such an easy one to do. Yeah. And like you can do if you and if the wedding party want to wear black tie, you can do black tie optional. And that means that all of the lads can still wear a suit they already own. And just five or ten of you have a tuxedo and. It is a really easy, fluid one to like change and you can just almost having like a smart casual or like no dress code at all is probably uh, a way that you might not think of that will save your guests money in the long run. As someone who generally as
2: a wedding guest gets my hair and makeup done, the idea of a more chilled wedding means like if I can't afford it that month... I don't feel like I have to, whereas if I'm wearing a full on gown, I'm like, oh, I probably should get my hair done.
1: Yeah, there are things out of your control as well. Like if I'm going to a wedding in a luxury venue, I do for some reason feel like I definitely have to wear heels and I definitely have to look a bit more polished or whatever. But that doesn't always cost me money because I already have like my wardrobe with all of my wedding gear in it. And you're very
2: good at doing those like set curls.
1: Oh, thanks, Claire. Really. So good. the Great Gatsby theme would not be hard None for me, needy. but for a lot You're of ready. people, <laughs> I'm I'm I don't need to get ready; I stay ready. Um, <laughs> but for a lot of people, even a theme like colorful and extravagant or whatever yes. means that, like I only have black dresses in my wardrobe, so maybe just have a second think about that before you pop it on the invitation. This is one that I'm very passionate oh, about. Me too. Feeding your guests food. Now I always say that remember that a wedding is 1.5 times longer than a regular day which is like a rough estimate yeah. but if you're going to an Irish wedding in particular and you're up until 6 like it's a long day you don't just need three meals you probably need four meals yes in that day cuz
2: a lot of times couples ask us oh do I need to do the late night food and if you're someone who's not someone who needs late night food you don't get it but if you're someone who does need late night food and if I've been drinking for several hours like I just have to have chips and just nothing else will do. Yeah. And you so, need carbs. Yes. I mean, they don't have to be chips. Like I'd go for like a pizza or whatever. Yeah. But sure. just the idea of finishing a fancy meal at 6 p.m. and then going till 6 a.m.
1: That's a whole day. Not That's- a
2: potato sandwich in sight. It's yeah. very stressful. So I do think it's important to keep in mind that guests will get hangry. And, or they'll end up spending money on getting a delivery to the hotel. And you can cut that easily by providing late night food or even crisp sandwiches or something like that.
1: Let's not forget that uh, all that dancing burns a lot of calories. It you need does. to replace those and refuel. Yes. Uh, the good news is that for most venues and caterers, the late night food is very affordable. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely not anywhere on the scale of your actual sit down meal or like a no. fancy tasting menu. It can
2: often be from like 10 ahead to maybe 25 ahead, depending on what you're having.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's a really manageable thing for you to do. Um and you don't have to get it for
2: everyone. You can always like get it for two thirds of the guest list and then The people who don't tend to eat that late will be fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. Particularly, you might have maybe like older guests who Mm. like retire a bit earlier anyway, won't be around by the time the late night food comes out. Yeah. A food truck is a great one as well. At your wedding, Claire, there was a pizza truck. There was. It was amazing. Came at exactly the right time. Thank you. And yeah, you could even do like small things like leave like an edible wedding favour at everyone's seat. Like, I mean... I'm not averse to a bag of crisps at everyone's seat. No. At all. I very much like when the cheese cake is left
2: out and then you can kind of mosey over, mill into some crackers, head off for another dance. Yeah, or if you have a
1: particularly good cake table on the go Mm. and it's possible for you to leave that out for the whole night and you can go back and get a bit of chocolate biscuit cake later on. It's not about like extravagant food options. It's just about having some kind of soakage placed around. So that your guests don't have to go to the expense of tracking down
2: their own food at three in the morning.
1: Yeah, in a foreign county where they've never been before yes (laughs) also on this point throw in a couple of extra drinks so i like totally understand that most couples aren't going to be in position to put cash behind the bar Uh, it is a nice thing to do if you do have a little bit of extra money in the budget like if you've saved on something else that's a nice thing you know whatever the the amount of money is it might only be 500 euro but it is a nice gesture to do the idea i like better is if you Um, maybe give some cash to some people in the wedding party and give them specific people who uh, you want them to go around and buy a few drinks for make sure they're sorted out especially people who spent a lot already if they've travelled really far yeah I think it's nice if you've guests coming from
2: overseas to make sure that they get a couple of extra drinks or likewise yeah if you've like couple of your cousins who were students and you just want to make sure. Now, I don't know, sometimes when you're young at the wedding, like all your aunts and uncles sort you out. So those people are probably fine. They might be fine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just the idea that you're kind of looking out for people and even people that have helped you through the course of your planning things like that just to be nice and throw them a couple of extra drinks is is nice yeah also it can be very inexpensive if you're buying wine not very inexpensive but less expensive than buying drinks at the bar is if you're providing wine to add an extra couple of bottles and they might go a little bit further in the meal Mm. and a lot of couples try and cover drinks
1: until the end of the meal so it's about kind of figuring out how many
2: bottles you'll need to do that
1: so wedding gift registry. Now, I love this idea. I am soon about to go to my first wedding where there is a gift mm. registry and I'm so excited. Yes. So i been banging on about them for years. I just like the idea that you have more options. So if there's a load of stuff on a wedding gift registry, you might get away with spending less. because they have something on there that's 80 quid and you're planning to spend 100. Again, it's like a small saving Yeah. and obviously you're not going to plan your whole gift strategy around your guests but I do think this is a nice way to give people more options and a lot of the registries will allow you to do like honeymoon funds or like a fund for like my new kitchen or something. Yeah, and some of them have group gifting as well.
2: So say if you've lived together for years and you don't need stuff but you really want this like beautiful couch Mm. you can have it that like say all of your your aunties and uncles or all your college friends go in on a couch and then that's a nice way and you'll have this like amazing thing to remind you of your wedding but also it means that none of them have to spend a huge amount.
1: I know in Ireland it's slightly different to other countries where people feel really obliged to put like cash in an envelope. Yeah and I know that in the past I've been in a position where like I only had 50 quid to put in the envelope and I did feel a bit like oh god this is so embarrassing I don't have more actually, right now like 50
2: quid to just give to someone is very generous but we just have this thing in our
1: head that it's like 150, 200 and it's, it's mad yeah we have like a token number in our head or yeah. whatever so this is a way to kind of avoid I suppose making people feel inadequate like I would definitely not feel that same thing about my 50 quid if yes. I was putting it into a fund for something really fun for the couple
2: so yeah I do think considering a gift registry is very kind and also like stressing that gifts aren't essential
1: yeah it's just really hard to get that into guests
2: heads yes but it's worth saying particularly if someone's attendance is hanging in the balance as in like if I thought I couldn't afford a gift I mightn't go to a wedding and that's not nice like if the person wants you there they want you there whether you can afford a gift or not
1: yeah they would definitely take you over you know you'd hope so (laughs) you you sitting at home with you know your 200 quid in your back pocket is no fun for the couple they don't want that yeah exactly Another one is if you have kids coming to the wedding to organise maybe a childminder or a kids entertainer. Yes. Um, is a really nice one. Yeah, because actually if you pay
2: one or two babysitters to mind a batch of kids is obviously a lot less expensive than each of those sets of parents paying someone to mind their kids. Yeah. Or obviously like recruiting in some grannies or whoever. Yeah,
1: them. and this is another one to think about. Those really close friends and family members who, like, everyone they know is going to this wedding too. Yes. So they don't have, like, oh, I can drop it off with the kids off to my mom or dad Yeah, like they normally would do. So if if there are people like that who are a bit worried that, like, oh, God, this wedding's going to be very expensive for them, you can always mm. say, listen, I've talked to the venue and I'm going to put on uh, childminders. And it might only be a couple of kids who are even attending the wedding depending on what's going on with the guest list but that's a really nice thing to do that won't cost you that much no and they'll definitely love you for it again it's more about the gesture than like they're you know dying to save 45 euro it's more that like they feel really like it's very considerate thing for you to do for them
2: and day two which we mentioned up at the top of the show is another thing that can often add a hunk of money to both your outgoings for your wedding but also for your guests particularly if it includes a second night's accommodation mm. so I think the real thumb here is to keep it relaxed so that they don't have to also buy a second outfit and pay to do some kind of excursion that might be expensive and things like that and also again alcohol
1: on the day is another expense for them that Especially I you get to a minimum you arguably start drinking earlier on day two yes <laughs> um, I've been to a few weddings where the day two was like a full blown thing with like now the couple put on like a barbecue or whatever and then there was like literally like a DJ and it went on all night and I was like delighted to stay the extra night or whatever mm. but um if you're a bit worried about your guests and their pocketbooks, like this is something to, to kind of make it a more of a like breezy day thing, like a picnic in the park or a barbecue during the day or like, you know watching the match in the pub or whatever something yeah. like that a it makes people feel like if they're really struggling they don't have to attend at all or they can just pop in and say hello before they head back home and b if they do really want to get on board with the day two activities it's just cheaper for them they don't have to yeah. stay an extra night
2: i think if you can if there's a way you can do some kind of byo option that'd be nice yeah that'd be lovely um whether you can like have a party at home or something like that or also talking to your venue, some venues will offer a discount for a second night accommodation mm. or they'll allow you to do something a bit different with the bar, you might be able to have a selection of drinks that you bring along yourself for some of the exclusive higher venues Yeah, exactly. things like that that'll just make it less expensive for your guests but also for
1: you and you have to remember as well the people who are like I'm happy to spend on a second night of accommodation they still will yes. this is just I suppose giving more options to everyone yeah. and making it feel less obligatory I think the main takeaway here is that you don't want the most expensive parts of your day to feel like they are obligatory for everyone that yeah. everyone has to come for three nights and yeah. pay for three nights it's accommodation a luxury hotel
2: yeah if you think of that feeling of like you meet your friend for a drink and then they bring you to some swanky bar and you just order a pint and you don't realise and then suddenly it's like a tenner for the pint and you're freaking out because you only had whatever seven quid in your bank account. Yeah. if you think of that but like amplified by a million where suddenly you're 400 quid in and you don't know how you got there and you've no choice in the matter if you're someone who's living month to month or your cash is tight that's so stressful it's just about keeping that in mind generally again with the day two the couple covers the meal um again because you're kind of hosting people so you don't need to cover their food all day long but I definitely think one meal is generous and
1: sort of expected sort of Uh, there's all like again it's more affordable meal whatever you're doing and it's also an option um it could be an option if your parents maybe want to host or if you mm. have like a granny or someone who has like a large enough space in their house It's like near enough to where people yeah. will be travelling. Um, they can do that and obviously you can contribute to that but it's just yes. a less expensive day You overall. could also do a potluck or something like that.
2: That means it's not
1: a big expense for anyone but it's also not a huge expense for you. If it's really casual, like if it's Sunday roast in a pub that you all go to anyway yeah. and you know everyone's aware of how much things cost. Yeah. I think that just puts minds at ease. So yeah, I guess the moral of the story here is you can't do everything
2: and you can't be all things to all your guests. No. But just being considerate, keeping them in mind and keeping the price of everything as low as possible for as many people as possible is just the same thing to do.
1: Hopefully there are one, two or three ideas there that you can take forward into your wedding planning and that's all that anyone really expects of you they don't expect you to completely redesign your wedding uh, for someone else's bank balance Mm. but just something that uh, makes people feel considered is always extra nice one fab day listener dilemmas one of our favorite parts of the week is when we dig into our digital mailbag and pull out a listener dilemma selena what issue are we tackling this week So this week we got an email from a bride who has some concerns about her photographer. So she writes, We just did an engagement shoot with our photographer and I'm a little bit stressed out as I don't love the photos. They're nice. My friends really like them. It's just not what I'd imagined. I wanted something really bright and playful and these are just a bit classic and moody. I'm really torn between booking a different photographer and just sucking it up and hoping for the best. I know I'll lose my deposit, but I'm really tempted to cancel and look for someone else. The wedding is in four months time. Okay. Okay. First of all, I'd say don't cancel yet. Definitely don't cancel. you find someone else, if that's what you're going to do. And I would say it's totally justified that you might want to look elsewhere. Yeah. At least look. Now, you might find that you have, you know, five photographers from your wish list that you go back to and none of them are available. Yeah. So I think... Allow yourself to just explore the possibility yeah. anyway to start because, you know, your your photographs are really, really important. Absolutely. And it's so important
2: that you're happy with your photographer. Now, if you just said, oh, I didn't like a couple of them, I think I'd be saying, OK, well, I'm just, sure it will be grand. It'll probably be fine on the day. And if you like your photographer's style, that's fine. But if it's an actual style thing, if you don't like how they work or how they shoot mm. or how their photos look, then... I do think it's worthwhile looking elsewhere because they're not going to change their style, and you can't ask them to a photographer has a they're signature like an artist style. they have a signature style, and you book them for that and If you yeah, like documentary absolutely. style, you book a documentary photographer if you want things really like posed and classic, that's the kind of photographer you book, and so you can't really go changing that after the fact or you can't ask them to work differently so I do think it's about finding a photographer who has the kind of style you're looking for
1: if this dilemma was just like I don't like the photos I'd find it much harder to answer but because this person who's written in has been so specific the fact that they say like bright and playful they obviously have a really clear image in their mind Mm -hmm. of the kind of photos that they want and there are definitely photographers out there who have that style and there are definitely photographers out there who have a classic and moody style and both are beautiful but if this person has realized a little bit late in the day that they want one and not the other I think yeah it's fine to explore the options you might get lucky and find someone um it won't be a super easy conversation with your existing photographer but no and make sure you read the contract and check um
2: cancellation fees and timeline and things like that generally form one site you might be okay work quickly though if you are going to book someone else yeah, I do it as soon as possible. It's only fair to your current photographer as well so that they have time to get another booking.
1: I mean, they might be fine with it, especially if they're getting to keep the deposit and there's like a cancellation fee involved. You might be able to find like a really nice balance where like you're actually both happy enough with the yeah. situation. They feel like, that's fine, I can go off and get another booking now. But yeah, your photographs are really important. I think your wedding photographs are just one of the things that you really want to get right on the day.
2: The last thing you want is to be watching out for the photographer and stressing, did they get that? How did they capture that? Like the whole point is that a photographer is a shadow in the background of your day who's just capturing it beautifully and you don't even have to worry about it at all you should not be worried about your photographer on the day
1: and we don't want to encourage people to second guess their photographers because 99% of the time the person that you book ends up being like the perfect photographer there's a reason you book for you but I think in this case yeah it's worth having a little second thought about it and doing a little bit of research but as you said Claire work quickly
0: we're gathered here in the sight of God in this casino to join Homer and Orange in holy matrimony beautiful
1: Next! Now step away from the
0: spreadsheets.
1: Each week on the podcast, we encourage you to take a break from wedding planning and enjoy some well-earned me time. And this week is no different. Now, Claire has been cooking up something for us. Not physically. I specifically haven't you been specifically cooking. You <laughs> specifically haven't been doing any cooking for this recommendation. No. Okay, Tell us. So
2: my recommendation this week is setting a fixed weekly-ish low commitment date night with all your pals. So... I'm sure loads of listeners are like well I see my friends anyway I don't need to do this but if you're kind of a fan that within your friend group you're in a bit of a rut where you're all really busy all the time and you don't really make a set time to hang out and you just assume it's going to happen and three weeks go by and you haven't all seen each other you have a set thing and it doesn't matter how many people can make it. If only two of you can make it or if 10 of you can make it, you just have to do it anyway. So and in, whoever can come along has to come along.
1: So in our group, this is like Wednesday night curry. Yes. Where we go to a different person's house. And order a takeaway. Yes. And those are the only like two rules. But it yep. just means that like no one's going to cancel because they're like, oh, I didn't have time to cook and sorry. Or like, you know, people will cancel. There will be drop offs. But it just means that it, it just we've done it in our group and it has made us yep. see each other so much more. Yeah. It's not that expensive. You can
2: drink or you don't have to drink and it doesn't matter. People can drive. People can get the bus. And so it just it kind of slots into everyone's week very nicely. We all have to eat. So if we only can come for an hour that's totally fine or if we can hang out for the night that's lovely too and yeah it's absolutely made a huge impact on us all hanging out more so i would advise other couples particularly for in the lead up to your wedding and you kind of want to make sure you're still checked in with your friends hmm. it's a great thing to do and we have it where we do it with partners as well but you could just do it just with say the girls group or the group guys or a group of guys
1: or whoever and i recommend it the one fab date wedding podcast That's it for this week's episode of the One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've got something to add to the conversation, please do drop us a line. You can email us at hello at onefabday.com or message us via social. We're at OneFabDay on all the major social channels.
2: And while we have you, we'd love if you can help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do this by rating or reviewing us on iTunes and sending a link on to anyone you know who might enjoy it. And don't forget to head over to onefabday.com for your daily fix of wedding inspiration and information. We've got new features going up every single day. And if you have a browser around you'll find helpful guides on pretty much every aspect of wedding planning from budgets to bridal shoes
0: the one fab day
1: wedding podcast
0: head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long catch the acclaimed movie all of us strangers starring paul muscal and andrew scott Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time.